At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What it do, baby? It's the Preachers and Sneakers podcast. The audio experience that will make you laugh and hopefully make you think. On today's episode, I've got my drummer buddy, Billy Brimblecombe, on the pod. Not only is he a drummer, but he's got an incredibly powerful uh, testimony and story and leads a nonprofit that helps people buy prosthetic limbs when they can't afford it or don't have health insurance. Uh, It's an amazing cause that he represents and is putting on a celeb-filled fundraiser event in a couple weeks called Thundergong. Billy was kind enough to come on the pod and talk about the event, his experience with prosthetics, and uh, the uh, all the great things that he's doing over at his nonprofit called Steps of Faith. So I think you'll be edified and entertained and hopefully led to give because uh, their organization is always raising money and the money goes directly to changing people's lives. If you haven't already, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the Preachers and Seekers podcast. Please leave a rating and a review and maybe share it with somebody you love or hate. I really appreciate when everyone does that. Okay, enough of all this chit-chat. Let's get to my conversation with Billy Brimblecombe from Steps of Faith Foundation. On today's episode of the Preachers and Seekers podcast, I've got my KCMO buddy, Billy Brimblecombe. One of the best last names in the game. Billy, thanks for spending the time. Uh, For people that don't know Billy, he's a drummer, but he also runs uh, an amazing nonprofit called Steps of Faith. So we're going to talk about that. But uh, Billy, how's it going over there in KC these days? It's going all right, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Just hanging out with Tech 9 and uh, eating barbecue, even during quarantine. I, I, um, I have... I have done those things. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome, man. Well, so uh you and I got connected through our mutual friend Zane, who Zane uh rescued me out of uh my audio quality woes right when I started this podcast. And we kind of have some I guess intersecting uh niche type topics. Uh we both deal with footwear, kind of. Yours is a lot more yeah. important than mine. But uh, before we get started on all that, you mind just kind of talking through your music career and kind of how you ended up where you are today? Yeah. Um, music career. Yeah, man. You know, I, I started uh, playing drums when I was 11 years old. Um, I'm uh, 40 something. No, I'm 
I'll be, <laughs> ever 40, take? I'll be 44 in January. Oh, nice. That's a great so, age. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I played drums forever. I started playing drums when I was 11. I was always into music when I was a kid. Originally wanted to play the saxophone because it was the 80s and the saxophone was a very prominent instrument in pop music. Yes. Time. And um, uh, so they made me play the clarinet in fifth grade. Cool. Which is really a great Chick way. Magnet. To, it's a great way. Yes. And it's a great way to get kids excited about playing the saxophone is to just not let them do it. <laughs> Dude, um, yeah. So, so yeah, I showed up to sixth grade band with a new band teacher. Uh, when I should have showed up to fifth grade band as a sixth grader, but I showed up, I knew there was a new band teacher. I was going to pull a fast one on him. I had my drum and he very quickly realized, like, Oh, you've never, you don't know how to do this. <laughs> um, but I took to it quickly and yeah, you know, I just grew up playing music. I was in a band with a friend of mine who was a good guitar player for a child, mm-hmm. uh, before I even had a drum set. And, um, yeah, sixth grade, uh, got, got, a, got my first drum set for Christmas and, and, uh, up, up and away, man. You know, I then pretty much spent my life doing it and, you know, went to college, uh, very briefly, but went to college, uh, at the university of Kansas okay. to, to study, um, you know, I was playing in bands in high school and all that. And, and, and all the, the school related bands, marching band, jazz band, all that. And I uh, went to college to study jazz music at the University of Kansas and joined a fairly big local rock band. Um, some, there, was a, there was a period of time in the early 90s where um, after grunge had exploded and changed uh, the music industry mm-hmm. uh, and MTV was big, there was always MTV News, MTV News Brief. Um, there was a, there was a, a period of time TRL, where- TRL, all that. Uh, yeah, well, this is pre-TRL. This okay, is, this, well, then that outdates 19, me then. This is like 1993. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, there was there was a period of time where where uh, Lawrence, Kansas, for about 15 minutes, was quote the next Seattle. Oh. So, uh, um, and uh, and uh, that you know that's where KU is. So anyway, yeah, I, I joined one of those bands that was part of the next Seattle for a minute. Okay, so you were on the tip of the spear so to speak. Yeah. Well, it was kind of the end of the, or the, the end of the wave uh-huh. there, but yeah, I, I joined the band. There was one, there was a handful of local bands in Kansas city and, and Lawrence that had been signed to uh, major label record deals. And uh, the band I was in was one of them. I will say the band had just been dropped from the major label record when I, uh, when I joined. Oh, great. The best possible time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good timing. I joined the sinking ship, but it was great. And it changed the trajectory of my life. It was a band that was a really big deal locally. And they'd been on MTV. It was a band called stick, not to be confused with sticks. Right. Uh, which my aunt for about six months thought I was in sticks. Uh, <laughs> and you let her believe I, it. I let her believe it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and so yeah. Uh, S T I C K. Anyway, that kind of set the trajectory of my, of my music thing, you know? Um, and I just was in these, these, not famous, but working touring bands that toured around the country and other parts of the world. And, uh, you're making full-time money doing this at the time. Yeah, more or less. I mean, we always had supplemental in those days. It was always supplemental jobs. Like you'd go on the road and I mean, we didn't really make great money at all, but we lived lean. This is, you know, 20 year old guys, you know? Yeah. Uh, And so in, uh, the late nineties or whatever, and you know, then I'd come back here and work, you know, at banana Republic or, (laughs) or, which I did for a long time or, or work at a restaurant, uh, you know, bartending, which I did for many years. Okay. And, um, yeah. Uh, so I, I played in a bunch of bands. I mean, that was kind of just all these full-time bands, you know, and, and did things that I felt great about. And, um, 
then, yeah, and, and in, in 2005, um, I had just, I'd been in a band in LA where we did all these fun things called The Start. And uh, we did a bunch of touring all over the world and really great things. And, and uh, it's very exciting. And, um, and then that, that time with that band kind of came to an end for me. I was just unhappy and left. Uh, that was my thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, then I joined a band here in Kansas City uh, that I formed with a friend of mine called Black Pool Lights. Uh, with a guy named Jim Suptic, who was in a band called the Get Up Kids, still is in the Get Up Kids, mm-hmm. and um, and then uh, basically we we got together in 2004, and then at the beginning of 2005, um, I I'd, I'd had this pain in my left ankle for many years, and um, that I'd had checked out numerous times. It would come and go, go away for months, all this stuff, and I finally went and uh, had the pain checked out. And a series of tests followed and Blackpool Lights played our first show. And then a week later, I found out that I had cancer. Great. Yeah. Good, good times. So this band, because of Jim's uh, history with the Get Up Kids, we had a lot of promise and we had a lot of fun offers on the table. It was kind of poised to be like. You're not going to have to grind it like you're already set up to where you can kind of get through a few doors. Doors were opening and and that kind of thing, you know. And so, um, but. you know, foreshadowing that all did happen, but, uh, yeah. So, so then would you like me to tell you what happens next? You want yes. Me to get into, okay. Yes, please. So, okay. So, so yeah, man, you know, I, I, all these tests followed. I, like I said, I found out I had cancer, uh, it was determined that I, I had, um, a type of cancer called Ewing's sarcoma, which is, there's a lot of different kinds of sarcoma. They're all bad. You don't want any of them. Right. They're all they just big, bad tumors. And this was in my left ankle. And so, yeah, this is 2005. I was 28. Um, and, uh, you know, playing in, playing in Blackpool Lights, we were about to start touring. I was tending bar. Um, and um, so we made this record, you know, after we found out I had cancer because we didn't know what was going to happen to me, but we were ready to go. And hmm. to this day, it's the record. I've made a lot of them, but it's the one that I'm uh, most proud of, you know. So you all like- made that in a rush, you're saying? Cause you just didn't know what was going to happen with you. I mean, we were ready anyway, pretty much, but, but we, it was like, why don't we bump, why don't we move up the schedule of when we start recording this record? Just because it's like, we didn't know, we didn't really think I was going to die. I didn't anyway, but it was more like, we just didn't know what was going to happen to me. Like, what yeah. Tons of uncertainty. Like, yeah. And so, we got into it and, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, that is available on all the streaming platforms. Uh, but no Blackpool lights, uh, Blackpool is one word, this town's disaster. Okay. So, so yeah, we recorded it in 2005 and it came out in 2006, but basically back to the health nightmare. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I was told before the final test, before the final cancer test to determine if it was cancer, all of the things that they thought, my doctor thought could be going on. Mm -hmm. And if it's this, here's what we'll do to fix that. And then, uh, and he, I remember him saying, if it's a sarcoma, we have to remove the sarcoma and everything that it is touching. And I was already told that it's a big flaming tumor that is touching everything inside my ankle. And I said, so, and he said, the only reason you would lose your leg would be to save your life. It's like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. And so, yeah, fast forward, um, so later that summer in 05, you know, I've been going through chemotherapy 
uh, every two weeks or whatever. And uh, um, they determined that, yeah, you know, to get clear margins, to save your life and do what we can to make sure this thing isn't going to come back. Um, we got to take the leg. Were you mentally yeah. prepped for that? Like, had you been working towards the idea that, Hey, that's a, probably a real reality or was it basically like, Oh shit. The thing that I use every day in my career and in my, all my passions uh, is going to be taken away tomorrow. Like what it was, was your a thought little process at the time? It was a little of both. I realized that I kind of felt like I knew all along in retrospect that it was going to happen. I just was like running from the idea of it, you know, but since I'd been thinking about it so much, I'd kind of worked out the mechanics in my head of, I knew that people walked around with prosthetic legs just fine, you know, um, so to speak. Um, and that, that could, could do amazing things with them. And I was like, well, you sit down to play the drums and it's just a hi hat, which is just a pedal that makes two cymbals go up and down. Surely Mm -hmm. I can figure that out. Yeah. Um, and so I'd kind of had the mechanics worked out. So, so, I mean, you know, from kind of like a technical standpoint, yeah, I thought about it. And I, I think that I, I was as prepared as I could be. I, you know, I'd had a pretty massive spiritual uh, transformation that had happened for me personally, mm-hmm. kind of coincided with, with, with um, you know, getting the cancer news. Um, was it caused know. by that or is it just concurrent? Um, I think I really feel that it was concurrent. I mean, you know, no disrespect to people that find themselves in the ultimatum moments with God. Like you save my life. I'll follow you forever. (laughs) Kinds of thing. I mean, whatever gets you there. Right. Yeah. But uh, that's just not how it happened with me. I mean, I, I I was, I was kind of running, you know, and just had these kind of unexplainable um, instances happen related to, to, really these kind of spiritual moments of people sending me pieces of scripture or these just crazy things that it just was kind of, and finally, I mean, it, it, it was over the course of a couple of weeks. And finally I was like, all right, you know, and um, he's going to get what he wants one way or the other. Yeah. Like, it, I, it, yeah. And so, so it really was, you know, I mean, it was a very serious heartbreaking and beautiful moment of through an email to someone trying to kind of, you know, basically receiving an email with a Bible verse mm-hmm. uh, from an old young life leader who was also a teacher at my, my high school. And I couldn't even get through the first sentence. It was so painful. I just immediately was like, oh, it was a crazy emotion. I had to close the laptop. Jeez. And uh, then some other crazy things happened involving crying in public in front of my mom, which is never a good, neither are fun. Never trying to do that growing up as a dude. Yeah. <laughs> nope. And so... So yeah, then I remember getting back to the email uh, and trying to answer it, and, and you know, admitting uh, that I was pretty lost and running and that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about that, but it was it was uh, it it was yeah, that was kind of the moment, you know. And then and then Easter was right after that, and I remember uh, you know, just last little spiritual nugget about that. Go ahead, thing. yeah. Um, I remember we, uh, you know. A lot of churches, when the collection plate is coming around, you also have, that's also the time where you have the insert from the program at church that, and you know, where you're asking for prayer or mm-hmm. whatever. And, and I remember there was like a, today I would like to ask for prayer. There's all these boxes you could check. Yeah. Um, give my life to Jesus. Talk to the pastor. Serve at the church. 
all of these things. So the collection plates coming and I see it, I see it. And I have this thing. I got the pen in my hand and I just checked every one of the boxes. I just checked every one of them. And I just threw that thing in there. They weren't prepared for that. They wanted no. one. <laughs> okay, boy, we <laughs> need more volunteers to deal with this. Yeah. But uh, no, that was kind of the all in, you know, uh, all the, I was all in at that point. I didn't know what that meant, you know, yeah. but it was like, I was willing to, you know, very aware that I was out of control of the, of the situation. And I've been trying to do things my way for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, you know, quite frankly, God was trying to talk to me and trying to help me and had plans for me. Um, yeah. Anyway. So were you, uh, uh, I mean, we can, I'm going to try to get as personal as possible here. Uh, yeah. I mean, were you living the touring musician cliche lifestyle at the time, or were you just basically agnostic about the whole thing and just like, dude, whatever, I'm just trying to play music and make um, money. Uh, well, neither. I mean, I, I was, you know, I was never a, a, like a dirt bag with yeah. girls or, or whatever, by any means. Um, you know, I mean, I lived a different life, you yeah. know, before, before I was a quote unquote Christian, mm-hmm. um, you know, for sure. But, but, you know, I never, I, I, I mean, I, I was maybe only kind of living the rock and roll life. We also were like not famous. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, so, so, so people weren't no, just offering you cocaine after every no, show. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Or no. Or yeah. Nothing like that really. You know, I, I mean, it, really in my touring days, I always had a girlfriend. You know, oh, okay. I, I always, I always had a, had a, most of the time I was like not single, you know? Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like I was, you know, that's, that's, yeah. I, mean, anyway, I got you. But, uh, but, but, you know, I, I did, I, 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 there was a spiritual foundation to some point and the best way I would describe it is, 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 um, you know, I, I, I grew up believing in the basics mm-hmm. of, of the Jesus story, you know? And, um, and I would say I even prayed, um, and, you know, God to me was that, you know, um, was him. Um, but, but it was a thing where, um, you know, I, I, I was kind of like, I, I believed, but didn't actually practice or right. follow and didn't feel that I needed to go to church to be close to God and had all these like rules that Culturally, I, did. you grew up in it. Yeah, there, a little bit, a little bit, but, but not, you know, whereas my wife, like, really grew up in it and grew up Nazarene, you know, and had a great relationship with the Lord, but like so much Christian isms in her life, you know, like in some parts of the Nazarene world, uh, I mean, no disrespect, even though I think it's crazy. I mean, it was like footloose, uh-huh. you know, it was like yeah, dance yeah. and things like that. And my wife grew up a singer and a dancer and, you know, good at everything. So, I mean, that is like, th- that to me is footloose. It's yeah. crazy. Anyway. So, um, and like I joked with, you know, when we talked the other day, like when we moved to Nashville and we get to that part, but you know, there was all these like CCM stars there just amongst you at the grocery store yep. and they're I was, everywhere. <laughs> they're everywhere. Just like motorcycles, motorcycles are everywhere yep. like it's on the highway. And, and I was just oblivious to, to like, Oh, that's the, that's one of the singers of point of grace. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, I have all their tapes. <laughs> Yeah. She's trying, she's getting the last, you know, thing of quinoa. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't read. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah. How about that? So, um, (laughs) my wife will be proud of me that I remembered that one, but, uh, um, yeah. So, so I I don't know. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to, I guess 
press a little bit just because it's interesting to me to hear people's yeah. 180 stories. Uh, going yeah. back to um, the slight life change of you losing your entire leg, uh, I'm also interested because I imagine, I mean, I know most people can't relate to that. And so I've always been curious about the day that you come to from the surgery. What are you feeling at that point? Like, were you joking about stuff in order to not think about it? Or was it like this massive realization all at once that your life had completely changed? Or what was that like? Both. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was in the hospital for about a week total. So a handful of days ahead of time and then a handful of days after. And so, so, you know, at that point I felt there was a few things I felt like spiritually and just kind of in my head and my heart as prepared as I could be, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, uh, and so, and then in the hospital, really like the worst week of my life was, um, in a lot of ways, you know, it's, it's a complex, um, memory because it was this terrible nightmare of a thing happening that I wouldn't wish on anybody ever in the world that was happening to me, but I was also surrounded, but like that week I was in touch with everybody I'd ever known ever is what it felt like. And many of them were just in my hospital room every night until they had to get kicked out. Heck yeah. Finding out who your real friends are. Yeah. I mean, people flying in from all over the country, you know, I mean, I was a grown man at that point at 28 and had, and had friends that I grew up with in Kansas city that had moved to other places or people that I'd met from, from traveling for, for my job. And, and uh, it was really, those people really took this terrible time of my life and, and made it beautiful. Um, and you know, there was like way less people that were there when I came out of, uh, you know, you, when you have a surgery, you kind of wake up in a recovery room. And then once you're kind of stable, then they take you to your room where you sleep or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And I do remember um, uh, being wheeled into the <clears throat> down the hall to my room where I was you know, staying for the week. And the halls were kind of lined with people. Your and people? So, yeah, with my people. Wow. And, and I just was like, I do remember just giving them a thumbs up you know, as I went into the room and then a crazy thing happened where about five minutes after going into the room, the phone rings in my room. No one's in there. There's like two people or something. I don't even remember who answered the phone and I was out of it, but I remember this and I remember the thumb, you know, I mean, I was on tons of drugs and in tons of pain and all that, but phone rings. And, um, uh, it was Rick Allen from Def Leppard, the guy who, the drummer who lost his arm. Yeah. I was about to mention him because like he's yeah. the, the originator of making it he's happen. The, yeah. Yeah. And he didn't, and there was no prosthetic arm with that guy. That yeah. guy figured out how to do it with three limbs, which is, I, I feel like does, he doesn't get enough credit for, you know, it's yeah. been kind of this like gross, you know, there's a spectrum to the jokes throughout the years about him and some are in good taste and most are not, but you know, having met the man, um, and having, I mean, you know, you know, it takes to play the drums. It's yep. like, um, how, what, like, you know, how do you do that? At you that know? level too. At that level, you know? Um, and so anyway, no, he called me and, uh, and that came about cause a friend, they, they played in Kansas city the night before he was wow. going to try to come to the hospital. And a friend of mine that works at a radio station in Kansas city here had, had was sponsoring the concert and had set it up. And, and we only talked for like a minute and I was like freaking out. You know, like, dude, you know, and so, uh, uh, you were my hero when I first started playing drums and which is true. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, 
and I, and, and then I remember he was like, Hey, Hey, kind of interrupted me. He's like, all right, mate, how about I call you back tomorrow when you're not so sedated? <laughs> um, and, uh, so we got off the phone. I didn't want to get off the phone. Cause I was like, this guy's not going to call me two yeah. days in a row, but he did. And then we talked oh. the next day and I was much more with it. We talked for about 20 minutes. It was really encouraging. And, uh, um, that's so dope. Yeah. So that was kind of what was happening upon, you know, waking up and getting, getting back to <laughs> dude. what a good group of friends. Like yeah. <clears throat> you, when you grow, grow to be that age, it's very natural for you to just lose touch with all those different groups of people that you meet throughout the years. I mean, same for me. Yeah. Uh, and you would hope that if you did have a life altering event like that, that they would all show back up. I mean, everyone's got their own lives and families and everything. I mean, that, that would feel awesome. Even though you're, you know, you're going through a super tough time. That would feel amazing to say like, yeah, my friends are legit. Like they, they're not just text. They're not just in it to text me back. They're going to show up, you know, devote dollars to come in and see me to support me. Yeah. And that's when I think of that week, that's what I remember. You know, I mean, again, it's complex. I remember being, I remember the pain, you know, and in all of the, the pains, you know what I mean? Uh, emotionally and otherwise, but, but I just remember just being completely and totally surrounded by love, you know, and, 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 you know, this extraordinary thing, that's a great story to this day of, you know, my rock star hero calling me, you know, we share this very unique, crazy thing in common. And um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really lucky. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. So you have the surgery, you inevitably get a prosthetic, uh, somewhere in there, you meet your wife or you start dating your wife. What happened there? Yeah. I met my wife a month, about a month after I lost the leg. Um, and, uh, you know, I was very skinny, gray skin, no hair, one leg, real hot on the singles market, real hot. Just crushing it with the ladies. Yeah. Just let's go dancing. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was bragging about it uh, in the bar. Yeah. 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 So no, but we, we, we had known each other. We, we met about a month after that and um, about a month after uh, the surgery and, um, and it kind of become friends. And then, yeah, our first date was actually um, in uh, uh, December of 2005 was the weekend before my last round of chemotherapy. And so at that point, I had just started, you know, for about six weeks, two months, something like that, starting to, you know, beginning to slowly learn how to walk with this new prosthetic leg. And my, my leg was amputated three inches above the knee. So, um, you know, an above knee amputation in particular is a whole other can of worms. And, the, you know, the, the learning to walk part takes a little longer yeah. uh, oftentimes because the, the knee is so important. But, um, yeah. And so I, I w- we went on our first date and then I had my last round of chemo that next week. And then it was like finishing chemo felt like being released from prison yeah, or something. Cause it's just kind of like torture every week. Right. Yeah. Or like I you mean, just yeah. feel sick and yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a, that's not an exaggeration. I mean, it, it really, it was terrible, you know? Um, and so, uh, it saved my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And, uh, so I'm, I'm, I mean, dude, when I, after the surgery, then I had to go back to chemo. I mean, that was in August. Surgery was in August. I was like, do I really have to go? Like, didn't you get all the cancer? Well, yes, but you know, and I was like, I don't want to keep doing this. 
well, you don't have to, but we cannot recommend strongly enough that you continue. Yeah. And thank God I did, you know? Um, so yeah, I met her after that and then it was kind of, you know, back to life, you know, I was rehearsing with the band and, um, uh, you know, and then in March, uh, you know, a few months later, I still could barely walk all that well, but, um, I was on the road back touring. That's bananas. I mean, yeah. It's crazy. What, how long did it take to feel at least internally like back to 100? I mean, at like after post chemo, like you're feeling like you're getting some color back, you're getting some energy back. Is that a big recovery yeah. or is it a pretty significant uptick after you stop? Chemo? It took a bit. Um, I, I don't, you know, I mean, I will say meeting that woman was a, was a, a lot of wind in the sails, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, you know, when I needed a good thing to happen, this just beautiful thing, this beautiful person entering my life, you know, and it was kind of like, okay, lots of struggles we just went through, lots of struggles there's going to be going through, but I kind of felt like God was like, you did it. Here's this gift. Um, yeah. Now you don't have to worry about this. And, um, and so, you know, she's, you know, continues to be, uh, you know, 15 years later among the, the biggest top couple blessings of my life. And so, so that was really great. And, you know, I just have always been so passionate about music and, and, you know, that band and this record we had made was really like a light at the end of the tunnel that I knew I could just, if I could get through this, you know, and, and beat it, then I'd get to go out and, you know, have a crack at living the dreams, you know? So, so it, it, it was, a yeah. I mean, I, I, I it's funny you say that about getting the color back. I remember there was this one day where my mom, I, my mom came over and she was like, Hey, your color's back. You know, it's like, you know, you can see it's like, uh, the, I kind of have the naturally, uh, rosy cheeks, yeah, you know, like, yeah. like, uh, you know, there they were, you know, and my hair was coming back and yeah, it was so great. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, awesome. you know, so, so you, um, you get the prosthetic, you get the babe sauce saint of a wife, uh, yeah. you're back on tour and then you meet somebody at the prosthetic company. So like we're getting, we're landing the plane here. Like, uh, Billy runs a nonprofit that, that gets people, prosthetics that can't afford them. Right. So how do you, how do you get that relationship? And then how do you get placed in that? Cause you know, you're a musician, you'll have any experience running a nonprofit or a business or anything, right. you know, banana Republic retail experience, tending bar. What is, how does that all happen? Folding chinos, making mojitos. <laughs> yes. Um, That's very a good t-shirt. Good. <laughs> Billy's life pre-cancer. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I, I guess I would say, one thing kind of from the era, which we were just talking about that answers that, that leads to answer the question. So, uh, in 2006, spring of 2006. So I, I, you know, I was touring, started touring in March and then right around that time, it was time to get the quote unquote permanent prosthetic leg. And I say permanent cause it's the permanent type, not the permanent one. I've had a couple since then they don't last forever. And so, um, and then at the time and, and anything medical is expensive. Yeah. You know, you get a Tylenol in the hospital. It's whatever. Freaking robbery. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and the more, uh, you know, and prosthetic things are definitely expensive. So I, I, the thing I wear is a 60, six, zero, $60,000 microprocessor above the knee prosthetic leg. Woof. So that is not saying, sure. I could drive a Honda, but I choose a Lamborghini. Those analogies go out the window. There's a lot of different kinds of prosthetics because there's a lot of different kinds of bodies. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, 
this is what makes the most sense for me. I'm not climbing Kilimanjaro. I'm just walking around like an active, healthy person. Right. And so, um, so we did a, uh, I needed to come up with 30 grand at the time because my insurance was only going to cover half of it. So some friends of mine, uh, I was talking with them, a friend of mine, uh, and, and so then a group of friends he put together to do this big fundraiser for me in 2006. There are some daily comforts that just make you grateful and feel more grounded in life. Petting the dog, hitting the snooze button, and of course, that first cup of coffee. These are things that you can on every day to help you get where you want to go. Things like the Upper Room Daily Devotional Guide. You can count on the Upper Room for daily inspiration, daily community, and daily prayer. It's the only daily devotional magazine written by readers, ordinary people, people who have encountered God in daily situations. The Upper Room is here for you every day through your email, a custom app, or printed magazine. Enjoy a free 30-day trial of the email or app service by visiting upperroom.org slash welcome. That's U-P-P-E-R-R-O-O-M dot org slash welcome to get your first 30 days free. And I say that because that is kind of what leads to the next phase. But this group of friends, Jason Sudeikis, mm-hmm. his wife at the time, Kay Cannon, mm-hmm. this is in 2006. Yeah. Uh, this was put together by my friend Corey Rittmaster and his wife, Monique Madrid, who actually, Corey was our workshop director that trained Sedakis and I at the improv comedy club when we were 18 and 19 years old. Comedy. Okay. So you did a little stand up. Well, improv improv. Yeah. It's kind of like whose line is it anyway? Yeah, right. Heck yeah. So, so um, and then uh, our friend Ed Goodman. So the, the, all these guys came together, they did an improv comedy show. And then my band Blackpool lights, we played and, um, and we did two shows in a row at this um, <clears throat> great club here in Kansas city called the record bar. And we raised $40,000. Dang. So uh, it was amazing. So I had said to my girlfriend at the time, now wife, the next day, because that was kind of like in the hospital. It was like, that was like a, this is your life moment. Mm -hmm. Like everybody showed up. It was on the news. It was a big deal. Um, Sudeikis was, excuse me, was very new on SNL at that point. So he was like kind of famous, but nothing, he's not nearly as well known by a fraction as he is now. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I'd said to my wife the next day, we should do that next year and give the money to somebody else that needs that. Yeah. Uh, now that didn't happen, but we then moved to Nashville, Tennessee a couple years later. And to answer your question, I was working as a musician. I was coming off a year of like a good year of work in 2012. Like this is what we moved here for. I'm right. playing on sessions. I'm playing on tours. I worked a bunch in New York City on a musical that a friend of mine had written, Don Chaffer from Waterdeep, actually. Oh, cool. this musical. And uh, I was in it as a musician and an actor. And, and uh, it was a great time. My wife, by the grace of God, became pregnant with our first baby during that time. And so then the beginning of 2013, the baby came uh, six weeks early, which was terrifying, but he yeah. was fine, thank God. Jeez. And so at that point, the last thing I wanted to do was go on tour. Um, I didn't want to leave the house, you know, it was always hard leaving my wife when I would go on tour for long stretches, but when you got this brand new baby and you don't want to go anywhere, you know? And so, um, uh, I, one day I was asked to speak to, uh, uh, I was at the prosthetic shop, uh, for an appointment. And then as I was about to leave, um, my prosthetist leg guy said, uh, Hey, I got a new patient that lost his leg to cancer. Will you talk to him on your way out? I said, man, I feel like that's why this happened to me. I don't get asked to do that very often. I would love to. Yeah. I said, all right, get in there. Talked to the guy for just five minutes, and he was just wide-eyed seeing me on the other side of this, walking around just fine. Um, 
And uh, I left and I remember I got in the car and I just was like emotional. And I just was like, just praising God that I was able to speak that language to this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, not just, I can only imagine what you're going through. It's, I know what you're going through and I'm going to tell you it's going to get better. And I, I went home and told my wife, I wish that could be my job. And then went back the next day to the prosthetic clinic for another appointment. I told my prosthetist what I just told you. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, well, maybe it could be your job. And he introduced me to the guy uh, shortly thereafter that, that owned the prosthetic company. And he and I had a couple conversations about quote unquote working together. And I was like, yeah, okay. And um, I was like, you know, I'm a musician. I don't really see myself working in a prosthetic shop. You know, I, I didn't really understand. And then he explained to me that um, he had established a 501c3. So he had tax exempt status, nonprofit status to do this thing um, four years prior. But he's running a for profit company. You know, a nonprofit is very much a business. Uh, uh, just with a different tax status. And, and you actually have to jump through way more ridiculous hoops than a for-profit business and have ridiculous expectations of you. Yep. You know, like what you get paid to do that. How does that work? Um, but uh, um, now we're dipping into the, the impetus of the preachers and sneakers, right? That's what, right. You're paid, you're paid? I also deal with 501c3s pretty, yes. the whole topic. So, yeah. So, so but, but uh, digression aside, uh, this gentleman changed my life. His name is Rob Pittman in Nashville, Tennessee. And he just said, I've been trying to get this nonprofit off the ground for four years. What if you come on as executive director? Um, I'll help you get it going. You do this and we'll get prosthetics to amputees that come in my clinic here and all over the country. I know you've got connections in Kansas City, blah, 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 blah. Um, that these people that have uh, no insurance, I don't want to turn them away. They just need to be able to get back to work. They're in a catch 22. They need to be able to get back to life. Um, you know, um, let's do it. Yeah. And so it's like, he tossed me the keys to a car with no engine in it and steps of faith was born that day. Wow. And, uh, you know, hundreds of amputees and a move to Kansas city and another baby and all sorts of stuff later. Uh, here we are. Dang. So what are the stats? So you hundreds of amputees, like, do you have, what are the, what are the numbers there? Like how many have you helped? How much money have you raised? All that kind of stuff. I should have been more prepared for that question, but I will say this, and this, this kind of leads to our, I know what we're going to talk about here in a minute, but since we started the Thunder Gong event in uh, November of 2017, so we moved back to camp steps. Of, my first day on the job was April 1st, 2013. Okay. And so uh, first thing I did is I pretty much just started reaching out to everybody I knew and was like, check out what just happened to me. Cause it's a crazy part of the story. Yeah. Right. Um, and what that did, some of this was intentional. Some of it just happened to work out this way is created the initial donor base that more or less sustained us for a period of years. It grew a little every year, thankfully, but it was always very, very, very bare bones. And then we moved back to Kansas city with the blessing of my board of directors. And and at that point, many of them were here and many of our biggest donors were here in Kansas city. Hmm. Um, uh, helping people, we help people all over the country. And that was the, originally it was just in Nashville, but, um, uh, uh, since Thundergong began um, uh, in November of 2017, we have three events that basically we've helped since then we've helped over 400 amputees Heck. and this, and we're tiny. We, we, ne- we just now, not even a year old have three full-time employees and that's wow. it. everything else. We work with prosthetists around the country. They donate their time. We're just facilitators, yeah. right? We connect them with the people they need. The, your prosthetic clinic should be like your gym or your church, you know, like 30 miles from your house, right? right. No more than 30 miles from your house because yeah. they want you to go. And so we connect amputees with, with clinicians all over the country. And then we pay for the stuff. We pay wholesale for the parts 
So we can help somebody for as low as $500 sometimes to wow. get walking again, to stop that catch 22, to get them back to work. So Thunder Gong alone in the last three years has raised about $850,000. Nice. We did 150 grand the first year when, and our budget to raise for the year was 150 grand. And then we did that. So it was like doubling our money. The dream came true. Um, but uh, yeah, we've, we, in the last three years, we've done about 400 patients, about $850,000. Cause like people that, I mean, myself included hadn't considered this, that uh, if you don't have health insurance or can't afford to pay the Delta between health insurance and what they won't cover, uh, you're basically SOL. Like if you're a person that's got to go back to work and you lose a limb and your limb is required for working, you're essentially in a cycle of insanity because you can't afford the overpriced prosthetic to get back to work. And in turn, you can't get back to work to make money to pay for the exactly prosthetic. Yeah, exactly. So this solves a real need for people that, um, you know, otherwise would go bankrupt or go, be on the streets or something. I'm assuming this prevents people from really getting themselves in a bad way because it's worse. It, it's terrible to lose a limb as it is, but then all the trickle down effects of not being able to uh, assimilate back to life, I'm sure is like pretty devastating if you can't afford it. So you mentioned it. Yes. Uh, the thunder gong event, which is happening in, I guess by the time this comes out, it'll, what's the date? November, Saturday, November 14th. Uh, at 7 p.m. Central Time, thundergong.org. Thundergong.org. So it's your main fundraising event where you bring in all of your heavy-hitting celebrity friends to come raise money for the org, um, and you're doing it virtually this year, right? Yeah. Tell the people maybe about the origin, or I guess you've already said the origin, but like, what's the name Thundergong, and then kind of what are y'all doing this year? Yeah, well, Thundergong is a nonsensical word for sure. I was trying to, the original, the original thing was I, I went to, you know, I went to Sudeikis in, in, in 2017, you know, one of the many times, uh, you know, where we were, I thought we were going to run out of money. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I had asked him for money. He had given money, full disclosure, but it was the first time I'd asked him for money. And I said, um, also, um, and he did, and that really helped us in a big way. Um, and some other people gave Kay Cannon and some other board members that kind of kept us afloat. And I said, and will you, will you finally do this event with me? We can, it can be similar to what you guys did when you raised the money for me back in the day. But I said, you look, man, you know, this is my thing. This is our thing. Like we can do whatever we want. There are no rules. We make the rules. Right. So, um, we put together an event that is the kind of thing that we like to do the most which is just like make each other laugh, play drums, play music, be silly. And um, so, yeah, the, the, the name Thundergong was basically, uh, originally what I asked him is I said, I have this idea where it would be a house band and then all of these guest drummers and you would host. So thank God it evolved into more than that because that would be very limiting. Uh, mm -hmm. Just be like a bunch of, you know, drum nerds. <laughs> but I mean, my, my hope all along was I was going with drummer friends that were his drummer friends because you know, I would say I'm probably his closest drummer friend, but then right past me on his list of friends that also are drummers is like Dave Grohl. Yeah, you know? I've heard of him. So, yeah. Yeah. He's a, <laughs> he's a young guy. Google him. But, um, so 
you know, and, and the first Thundergong was literally scheduled around Foo Fighters. We had, they had a day off and they were going to do it. And that's why it was on a Sunday night, which uh. seems crazy now. Now it fell through kind of last minute and thankfully we had not announced them and we haven't had them yet, but they're asked every year. But uh, yeah, the name was, was just, I wanted to sound something that sounded funny and percussive and it was going to be Gongs of Thunder. And some of the logo is kind of behind me here from oh, okay. TG thing we had, thing we had from, from the first year, this big step and repeat deal. But but uh, yeah, and so then my buddy Micah Smith, who's a brilliant illustrator and designer here in Kansas City, A, Micah Smith, he um, he was like, okay, I'm playing with the branding and Gongs of Thunder turned into Thunder Gong. And then he showed it to me and I was like, yes, it did. It's, that looks a lot better than what I had in mind. <laughs> it's better. So yeah, man, it's really, it's a, it's a variety show, you know, and we normally do it at the Uptown Theater, which is uh, uh, this, this beautiful old theater that holds about 2,600 people in Kansas City. And we have all these people come in and we have a house band and everybody's playing music or doing magic or doing comedy. And even, even the comedy guys are doing music with the house band. And, and it's, it's, you know, all these collaborations that don't normally happen. You know, uh, you, you mentioned tech nine, you know, the first year we had Winona and tech nine and, and, and Will Forte and Jason and Fred Armisen and all these crazy people. That's we awesome. had chance the, the second year and Ben Harper Last year we had Ben Harper and Winona and, and, and uh, you know, incredible comedians and, and, and magicians. But yeah, so this year it's all virtual and it's going to be, you know, some of it's going to be streaming, you know, live from Kansas City. Sudeikis and I will be here live in Kansas City um, along with Madison Ward, who's, who's yeah. a, a well-respected. You know Madison Ward, the mama bear. Yeah. Uh, is she a singer? Uh, well, that is a different Madison. Okay. That's the one I'm thinking of. But yeah, Madison Ward and the Mama Bear is a, is a, is a mother and son. I mean, this sounds like a Mad Lib, but they are an African-American mother and son folk duo. How about that? Oh, then no. Yeah. I don't know them. Yeah. Di- different one. Interesting. But, uh, but uh, yeah, just the people that'll be here locally is, you know, uh, Sudeikis is hosting and uh, Madison Ward. But then we also have Will Forte, Fred Armisen, Winona Judd, her husband, Cactus Mosier, who's also her drummer and band leader. Who, who's our That's his real name? it's a lifelong nickname. Yeah. Yeah. But he, uh, he, he's also a left leg above the knee amputee drummer. That's how we got connected. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a crazy story. He's on our board of directors. We have Ben Harper. Uh, we have Brandy Carlisle, which is, she's new to, to our family. We're very excited about that. Nathaniel Rateliff from Nathaniel Rateliff, the night sweats. Yes. Fastball, um, who had a basket of hits in the nineties mm-hmm. and incredible rock and roll band from Austin, Texas. The Get Up Kids, uh, Quixotic, which is a performing arts group from uh, here in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted Lasso, the character Ted Lasso from the Apple TV show. Many people are excited about <laughs> Ted Lasso. Jason Barnes is a friend of ours from Atlanta who plays drums with a prosthetic arm, which is amazing. Um, and then there are folks that, that uh, uh, Blake Shelton, maybe you've heard of him. Uh, I have. I think uh, he's on the radio. He's on the radio. Um, uh, with a, with a song written by our, uh, our pal Dave Barnes. That's right. His uh, one, his one hit. Blake Shelton's one hit. Blake's one hit. <laughs> Blake's one hit. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, man, the, the, the lineup keeps growing. Uh, we, crazy. Got word, we got word today. We got Tom Morello from Rage and Audio Slave. We got Camila, uh, Camila Cabello. Uh, there's talk of Adina Menzel and, and all these people line up a subject to change yeah. based on recording this and when the thing comes out. But yeah, Adina Menzel, Tom Morello, Camila Cabello, Pierce Brosnan. I mean, it's just ridiculous. That's bananas. Um, so literally there's somebody for everyone from the, uh, the Pierce Brosnan thirst 
uh, fan to the teeny bopper 13 year old country rock and roll, both kinds of music, country and Western. We got it all. That's awesome. And it's like, this is so interesting because it's like the lineup is hard to fathom. Like all those people being in one proverbial room probably doesn't happen ever. uh, Right. Which is so cool. So what is the, uh, so for people that want to go to the event, what does it look like for them? Like, is there's, uh, are you selling different tiers or are you just like selling a ticket to, to view the event or what is all, what are the logistics of that look like? I'm sure yeah, well, to, curious. To, to view the event, it's free. Oh really? Uh, yeah. So, so to view the event, it's free. And uh, that's because we want to get as many eyes on it as possible. But of, but of course we want everybody that's watching at all for free to donate something. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we were going to do a pay what you want kind of thing. And then we we're like, let's not, we're not going to put a wall up at all. We want everybody to donate. So I guess I would also say when you mentioned tears, you know, um, we always usually sell out of sponsorships for the event by this point, because we're out of space in the theater. Mm-hmm. And so since that's not a thing this year, um, you know, uh, sponsorships are more essential than ever. And, um, we, we do have a good handful of sponsors involved for the event, but, um, especially since this is a national event with the caliber of artists we have. Um, we've had, we've had more attention from, from uh, people and companies and brands uh, around the country that want to get involved. Thank God, as they, as we would hope they would want to. And um, you know, sky's the limit for that. So, so we're definitely still open to that and, and encouraging and looking for more sponsors as we go. But yeah, man, we just want people to watch. We know that people are going to be entertained um, and it's going to be an incredible thing. And we want people to, you know, there's going to be a story or two of some people that, that we've helped. And, and we want those people to hopefully be moved and moved to give a donation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It seems like a, uh, to me, whenever you explained this to me yesterday, uh, I got off the phone and was like, this seems like such a freaking no brainer, uh, just like potentially life-changing value add that you're providing. And, uh, you know, $60,000 is a lot of money, but the ability to, you've already helped 400 plus amputees. It's just like, these guys are out here doing it. It's not even like, uh, yeah, like you have the model proven it's changing people's lives. Why wouldn't you want to give to that? Well, I, that's what we want everybody to say, you know, and I, and I should say the $60,000 thing, you know, um, you're paying wholesale. We're paying wholesale. And we're also not, you know, um, getting those right away for folks. I mean, the wholesale on $60,000 is closer to 17, but at the same time we're helping, these are people that have no health insurance at all. Or like we talked about, you know, like in Texas and other States, Medicaid does not cover prosthetic care for adults in the state of Texas and many States around the country. So you can have health insurance more or less. And if you've lost a limb, you're screwed. And so we're getting more basic prosthetic components for people because our hope is that we're going to help them in that catch 22 that you you mentioned, get them back to work, then get on a state health insurance plan. That's not Medicaid, depending on the state they live in. And then they're going to get whatever they, whatever they should have. You know, if you're an above knee amputee and you're not a hundred years old, uh, you should have what I have, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so, um, and if the thing that is blocking that is bureaucracy or health, quote unquote, care in our country, which is not care, it's called health insurance because mm-hmm. they don't care, mm-hmm. um, then that's injustice. And I'm going to fight until there's no more fight left in me 
to try to fix that. The perfect, the utopia dude is the world where steps of faith doesn't need to exist because people lose a limb. That's going to keep happening. Unfortunately, they're going to, they get what they need, but that's not the state of the world right now. So I'm going to try to help as many people as we can. We had a goal to help 150 amputees this year. We helped 130. We had a hold to go to help hundred last year. We helped 133. Our goal is 150 this year. We've already helped 140. We're on track to do 175. Nice. Uh, there's has been a small spike in, pe- in people that have requested our assistance because they have lost their jobs and subsequent health insurance due to COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a need and we're just trying to help as many people as we can. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And it's, it's very noble that you're um, using your time to make a way to make this event happen even in the midst of not being able to be in person. Cause there's, you know, there was so much value in that being a physical event for people to go to, I'm sure. And you could have easily just postponed, but the uh, effort that y'all are putting in to make the event still happen. Got it. Like it probably benefits the, the organization some, but ultimately you're just raising more money to help more people. So that's super dope to me. And yeah, that's the name of the game. Yeah. You know, we we want to, we, we, we need to raise money so that we can stay in business, right. you know, quite frankly, um, uh, so that we can't, I mean, and that is the business we do is helping people walk again. We do help with prosthetic arms as well, but, um, uh, but we, but, but our whole thing is we want to have a, we're doing it our way and we want to have, and that's, that's why people enjoy Thundergong. It's, you know, I don't know how to do golf galas right. in five days. You know, I know how to put on concerts and comedy shows with my friends. And, uh, so, you know, we, we're going to have fun, we're going to raise money, but we're going to have fun while we do it, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's so awesome. And it's, you know, the five K's in golf tournaments are fine, but they're tired, yeah. you know? Well, and look, those are successful. I, I mean, I mean that literally, I don't know how to do those things. I've <laughs> yeah. tried. I don't, <laughs> you know, I, I was, I, maybe one day, and if somebody wants to do one for us, uh, you know, info at steps of faith foundation.org. <laughs> but in the meantime, you know, Jason and I, and all of our crazy friends, we're going to, we're going to just, you know, keep, keep trying to do, you know, fun shows however we can. And, uh, God willing, this is going to raise a lot of money and, and then we're going to be able to just keep the lights on and keep, you know, helping a bunch of people and, 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 and be able to be in person again next year. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well, I love it. Uh, so how do people reach out to you in like directly online or is there any way to get in touch with you if people are interested in either helping or donating or, you know, cussing you out, whatever, how do people find you? All of the above. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. So, so steps of faith org is the organization's website. Okay. Steps of faith foundation.org. And you can donate online there. You can read some stories and you can see what we do. You can see how it works. It's all pretty spelled out pretty plainly. Um, uh, and, and then also we, we update with patient stories, our social media a little more often steps of faith foundation on Facebook at steps of faith foundation on Instagram. Um, and then, uh, also the organ, the, the, the show, the event webpage is thundergong.org. Okay. And um, that's also the home base to watch the show. Um, we're asking folks to RSVP so that they can just be in the loop on concert announcements and, and uh, you know, as the lineup is, is evolving, um, uh, which it, it keeps, keeps growing, which is incredible. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then personally, I'm on Instagram just at Billy Brimblecombe. Okay. And, um, and, uh, I, I do have a Twitter uh, steps of faith on Twitter is at moving amputees. Okay. And our tagline is moving amputees forward. So at moving amputees. 
but uh, yeah, I'm 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 most active active on uh, you know Instagram at Billy Brimblecom, and um, yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, Billy Brimblecom, drummer turned philanthropic comedy show variety show host and director. Uh, I appreciate you uh, being so forthcoming about your story, and uh, I'm so encouraged by the organization what you're doing especially during a time where you could easily be just looking out for number one. So uh, I hope people listening at least go check out the event and uh, hopefully feel so led to donate because this is changing people's lives literally. So um, yeah, for those listening, don't buy my merch. Don't give money anywhere else this week. Give it to Billy Brimblecombe and steps of faith. That would be huge. And check out thunder gong. What's the date again? Saturday, November, what? Saturday, November 14th, 7 p.m. Central. Saturday, November 14th, 7 p.m. You literally have no excuse not to do this because it's free and you're going to get to see a lot of uh, interesting people all under one digital roof. So, uh, Billy, thanks again for coming on the pod and telling your story and everything, bud, and I hope the event crushes. I hope you raise more than expectation and that people crash your servers because so many people are coming. (laughs) Man, I, I'm I've been I've been following you for a long time, and I'm a big fan. And it really means a lot that you would uh, take the time to to have me on to talk about this and use your platform. It really it really means the world. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, people's careers tend to skyrocket after they come on this podcast, so stand by for that. Who knows? Buckle up. <laughs> so, all right, Billy. Well, I will talk to you later, and good luck again on the event. Thank you, man. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Preachers and Sneakers podcast. If you didn't, when I told you at the beginning, head on over to Apple Podcasts, smash the subscribe button, and maybe leave a rating and review if you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for spending so much time with me week after week, and be sure to keep an eye out for the next episode of the Preachers and Sneakers podcast. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 